I'd like to acknowledge that this podcast is created on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and Bunurong peoples of the Eastern Kulin Nations and I pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. I extend this respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples connected to each of the hundreds of countries around so-called Australia. I acknowledge and respect their living connection to country, relationship with the land and all living things, extending back to tens of thousands of years. I also acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello and welcome to Rose Tinted Law, the podcast. I am Rose Inglis, founder of Rose Tinted Law and your host. RTL is a professional development platform for curious and open-minded legal professionals. This podcast is a space to have honest conversations about legal careers with people who are boldly carving out their unique place in our profession. My guest today is Jacqueline Butler. Jackie's career has taken a different track to mine, a much more straight down the line and smoother path. Jackie very fortunately found her passion for employment law very early on and she has navigated the transition from private practice to in-house with grace, but with some kinks along the way. Today, Jackie is a senior workplace relation advisor at Toyota Motor Corp and one of my best friends since uni days. I've always admired how clear Jackie has been in her goals and how conscientiously she works to achieve them. Jackie knows what she wants, she knows what she's good at, and in this honest conversation, she shares with us all the hard work that goes on behind the scenes and along the way. I hope you enjoy listening to this honest conversation between friends and it helps open your eyes to the limitless possibilities of where your legal career may take you. Hi, Jackie. Good morning. How are you? Good. Excited to be here. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Um, So, Jackie, how and why did you commence your career in employment law? When I was in late high school, I was a bit of a bookworm, so I had relatively good academic marks and getting to year 12 and I was like, what am I going to do? A really good friend of mine was like, I'm going to do law. You should do law with me. And I was like, cool, let's do a law degree. So I found myself doing a law degree and I had to find a double to go with it. And so I chose my options that I had open to me was psychology or business. I chose business with a major in HR and I got to the end of my fifth year. I'd done a clerkship, a couple of firms got to the end of my fifth year, got admitted and was doing my rotations as a trainee in a firm. My last rotation was employment law team. And I was like, this is super interesting. It's really well with my HR experience from my degree. I love people. I think people are really interesting. I find it's really fascinating. I opted to stay in the team. I got accepted and here I am working in HR seven years later, six years later and no regrets. And it turns out that my friend who did law with me is also an employment lawyer. We have similar personalities in that respect. And I just find it really interesting. It's a, it's a really complex area of law. It's quite unique. I'm not a generalist by any means. I'm not a corporate generalist lawyer. It's a very specific area. And I just really love it. So where did you start your career? So I did my uh, traineeship at a firm called Thompson's Lawyers, which later became Thompson Gear. And after I did my traineeship, I was offered a, a permanent position. And I worked there for about three and a half years, I think, before moving in-house. 
yeah, so I worked as a, as a baby lawyer. How did you know when it was time to move on? And were you scared to move on? Yes, I was terrified. <laughs> I'd been having chats with some other people in my grad group. A lot of them had moved on. I was just finding the work just wasn't quite right for me and I was ready to try something different. The lure of in-house work grabbed me. I was not super keen on the billable hours. It just didn't really fit with the sort of lifestyle that I was looking for. So I had a bit of a look at what was in the market and I ended up moving in-house yeah, a few years into my early career. Fabulous. So what happened after you left? Where did you end up? So I ended up at a, a smallish production company that was based in Hawthorne that produced a couple of relatively well-known TV shows on Channel 10. I was recruited and it sounded like a really fascinating job that had the opportunity to maybe do some other sorts of work as well. And it sounded pretty flashy because it was in the media. Unfortunately, it wasn't quite the role for me. And after a mere four months, I knew it was time to move on relatively quickly. Of course, I'd had a chat with a lot of people and they'd sort of said, stick it out. You know, it might things might change and it just wasn't right for me. So I reached out to another recruiter, as a lot of people do in their early careers. And I, I, there was a few different roles that I interviewed for and one of them was the position I'm now in at Toyota. At the time, it was advertised as an employment lawyer for just a couple of years because Toyota was closing its manufacturing plant and I had enterprise agreement negotiations and they needed someone short-term. But I was only there for six months before I was made permanent and, and moved into a senior workplace relations advisor position, so a slightly more generalist position, and I haven't looked back. I loved it. I love it. What advice did recruiters give you at this time? So moving into this position employment lawyer position as it was at Toyota, I was actually advised by recruiters that I was too junior and it was highly unlikely that I'd even get an interview for the position, which was really tough. I was really junior, but I didn't see, see that that was going to be a problem and I really wanted to give it a go. And I was pretty downtrodden by that, but it turns out that I did get an interview. And when I met the senior manager in the second interview, we clicked immediately and we, we had a lot of the same thoughts about HR and employment law and, and I got hired. I remember then contacting the recruiter later and just saying, just so you know, I got the job. So maybe don't tell people <laughs> that they're far too junior and they have no chance. That must have been so satisfying. It was so satisfying. A little <laughs> bit of I told you so, but I really thought he needed to know because I didn't think yeah. that was an appropriate way to approach candidates. I've been told um, awful things by recruiters when I was in London. I was doing some short-term contract work and I knew that that was not going to be for me long-term for the two years of my visa. I got put in contact with like the recruiter for Australian lawyers and he was like, um, no, nah, look, don't have enough experience. You don't have top-tier experience. There's no way you're going to get like a proper lawyer job. You may as well just like do the temp thing like all the other Aussies and just like go to like Oktoberfest and like Greece and stuff in the summer I'm like ah thank you I ended up hustling and succeeding but yeah yes so true and I think you know I think what this recruiter didn't know about Twitter was that they primarily recruit for fit cultural fit and personality of course you need to have the right qualifications for the position but if you click with the interviewer and you show that you are aligned with the culture and the values of the company you can be trained in other aspects that they yes. need to know. And I think that that's what got me in the door is that I clicked with the senior manager and I think I'm a really good fit for the company and they mm. immediately recognised that. Maybe I could have had an extra 12 months which use experience, but in the end it's made zero difference because I have had no problems yeah. at all the whole time I've been here. And the short-term 
stint that you did at the in-house role was what got you through the door at Toyota. It was because the the position was advertised at Toyota as needing in-house experience. I did talk about the four months of in-house experience that I'd had. It was negligible, but it was sufficient. (laughs) I ticked the box and I was really willing to learn and I was enthusiastic and I remain that same way even today. And I think that that's one of the more important things because you can build experience and you can build learning. Build your story as well. That's what you did really successfully throughout that time. We like to say in our comfort zones, we're scared of doing the wrong thing Mm. or what if we make the wrong decision or what if it doesn't work out? But with your story, it actually didn't. It was a big disaster. It wasn't the right thing for you. It wasn't the right time of your career for that type of job. But then ultimately it led to this amazing role. It wasn't the the initial move was completely the wrong job for me. It was never going to be the right fit. And it was really disappointing. And so I did ultimately make a huge misstep very early in my career. (laughs) But it's it's worked out because I, I recognized that. Within a couple of weeks, I knew it wasn't right. It wasn't you were what treating it was yourself to be. It wasn't it just that it was quite inconsistent, the, the advertising and the actual role. I did stick it out for a little while, but yeah, being true to myself, I realized that it just wasn't right and it, and cut my losses and move on. Um, ended up being, yeah, not so bad in the end. Yeah. What do you actually do as a senior workplace relations advisor? I'm still an employment lawyer, so I provide legal advice on employment-related matters. And then I otherwise provide generalist HR advice and guidance. I sit within a HR business partner team as their advisor. So they come to me with all weird and wonderful and curly questions. I run training. I write and rewrite policies. I draft employment contracts. A really key aspect of my role is recognising where we can implement um, what we call Kaizen, so continuous improvement and new learnings and trying to look critically at our processes and procedures and thinking how can we do that more efficiently or how can we do that more consistent with best practice or ensuring we meet our legislative obligations. So my role is incredibly varied and I have a lot of latitude to shape what I do each day and the sorts of projects that I work on. So it's very interesting, very fulfilling. I get lots of varied work that keeps me on my toes. You're going to inspire a lot of people to become employment lawyers after this. Do you have any advice for others? Look, I think in my reflection would be if you're not happy, do something about it because no one else is running your career for you. You are the only one who cares about your career ultimately in the end. So if you're not happy, you're not finding fulfillment, you're not thinking, I don't want to get up today. I don't really want to do any work today. I don't really want to go to my computer because I just am not feeling it. Move on, find something else to do. Because life is short, as people say, but it's also really long to be in a job that you really don't like and move out of it. Take your career by the horns and do something about it yourself. So that was Jackie's employment law career journey. In the second part of our honest conversation, I wanted to go a bit deeper. Has she had to readjust her ambition or priorities in light of motherhood? Is there such a thing as a whole life balance? And what advice does she have to others? But the first question I asked her was the obvious one. How does she do it all? have a hot chuck job at Toyota, a gorgeous son, two-year-old son, a mm-hmm. loving husband who runs his own thriving business. How do you do it all? With great difficulty. <laughs> in all honesty, it is 
really hard to stay on top of everything and juggle successfully and make the right choices every time about what is a priority. But I have been doing it for a couple of years and I honestly just do my best. And some days I do a really terrible job and I feel like I haven't achieved anything. And other days I'm like, yes, bang, 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 got everything done on my to-do list, smashing life today. Yeah. I think that's probably <laughs> reflective of most mothers, most parents' experiences. They some days are really good and you're really positive and everything goes right. And other days it's a complete disaster and you just have to pick yourself up and hope tomorrow is a better day. Have you made any compromises in your career because of motherhood? Yeah, I think that's really a common experience for parents is that you do naturally have to sacrifice something of yourself and your career in order to have a child. So my son is two and three months. I had him in May 2019 and so I went off on parental leave. I was gone for 12 months. I was definitely a little bit worried about taking 12 months out of the workforce to have a baby because I did think that it might set me back a little bit in my career. So far, so good. I haven't felt that way, but I definitely was a little bit worried. But in the end, I think, again, you have to decide what your priorities are. And for me, having a child, my husband and I decided to have a baby. It was the best decision we've ever made. And yes, no regrets. <laughs> yeah. It's such a mindset change, isn't it? When you've gone from like career, 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 work, 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 busy, 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 and to be like, oh, okay, I'm just going to stop now. Yeah, and now I'm at home trying to do it and it's amazing. Yeah, I think it's it's a real adjustment and some people are just really good at it and sail straight through and don't have a huge adjustment period. For me, there was quite an adjustment period. Having a baby is really, really hard. Anyone who's had a child will tell you it's it's a very difficult task and it does take a lot of adjusting. And then at the other end, once you're getting ready to return to work, my son was almost almost exactly one when I came back to work. There was then a good six to eight months of readjusting to the workforce while also having a small child. My experience, it was difficult. I fumbled through sometimes. I had a lot of tears. There was a lot, a lot of lost sleep but you just make it work. How do you go with the lack of sleep? I remember people saying you just become used to not having a lot of sleep. I am not that woman. I struggle with, I don't have sleep. (laughs) Still. Yeah. I'm just not that resilient. I just. (laughs) No, neither. And I think it was really hard in the first few months of returning to work because Ruben still really wasn't sleeping that amazingly. We sail through a really fantastic few months where he sleeps through the night and then we have other weeks and months of time sometimes where he's up for hours or doesn't go to sleep. And I'm frustrated because I'm like, I'm trying to do some work after hours after he's gone, supposed to have gone to bed. Yeah. Yeah, he's screaming and I can hear my husband trying to get him to sleep. Yeah. So there's no doubt about it. It's really hard and it's just a juggling act. And yeah. having really supportive managers has pulled me through without a doubt. Agree. Yeah, but I still struggle with the lack of sleep. I'm just permanently tired. Hence the coffee. (laughs) Yes, exactly right. You know, you just have a lot of coffee and genuinely I believe that your body does just get used to sleep deprivation and you just fire on all cylinders on less sleep. Would you say you're good at multitasking or do you do everything half-assed? I think I'm really good at multitasking. (laughs) Yep, I think I can do lots of things at once and I can think I think I can do probably an 85 to 90% job of each of those items if I'm doing them all at the same time. You're a superwoman. You're so good. <laughs> you know what? I, I actually don't doubt that. It depends what the task is, but yeah. 
even pre-baby, I was pretty efficient already as an employee. I'm really just like, get things done. And now as a parent, I have even less time. I work four days a week instead of five. And so I fit a five-day work week into a four-day week. And I just go for it as much as I can. And I have times when I'm like, I did that really terribly because I'm really tired and really busy. And sometimes I have to redo it. And other times I'm like, oh, it'll suffice. It's okay. You don't always have to put 110% into everything. You need to pick and choose. I have found that an ongoing challenge with motherhood and working. I always knew I was going to be a working mum. And I hate the feeling of not doing things properly. But now that also shows up when I'm spending time with Eddie or Andrew or I'm working. Yeah. And I find the whole working from home and living at work distinction really yes. blurred. Yes. So what I try to do is just try and be present with whatever it is I'm doing. So yeah. if I am with Eddie, then I am not trying to do anything to do with work. Or if I am working, Eddie and Andrew are downstairs. Mama doesn't want to know. <laughs> and I yes. find that I can. Or if, like I had a really challenging week the other week. I got up at 5.30 and by 8 a.m. I had done a whole day's work. (laughs) I just did it. (laughs) Just smashed it out in a couple of hours. Yes. Mm. Yes. Mm. I think that's a really good point about presenteeism. Um, I I try to practice that. I think that's a learned skill that takes quite a bit of time to master. And you really have to be in the moment and pull yourself out when you can see that you're focusing on too many things. And as I say, sometimes I've got 20 tabs open in my head and I don't know which way is up and which way is down. I think you have to take a step back and review what you're doing and reprioritize yeah. and I really do try to be completely present when I'm with Ruben and completely present when I'm at work. I feel less stressed as well. Yes I think it yeah. definitely contributes to feeling slightly more relaxed but then of course you have times when your work inevitably falls over into your private life and I'm at the park with Ruben when parks were open and I'm also texting my phone or I'm also on the phone or I'm in a meeting. Of course. Commute. And generally I found people are pretty understanding in that respect, especially if you're making that effort to try and do a little bit of work as well on your days off. Sometimes you have to, other times you can say, it's my day off, I'll do it on Monday. And I really try to take that attitude as much as possible. That's a perfect segue to my next question, which is what does a whole life balance look like to you? What do you prioritise? How do you figure out what to prioritise? Or do you feel like you have any balance? I think it's taken me quite a while, like probably in excess of 12 months to find that balance. I have a dedicated working from home space, which is very separate to my house. So I do try to keep that really clear Mm. distinction between work and life, uh, home life. As to whether I get the balance right, probably 50% of the time, 60% of the time, sometimes I get it completely wrong and I'm really stressed. And other times I'm bang on and I'm like feeling really great about the day. I think um, in terms of prioritizing if I'm really busy at work and I've got some really important things to do, then I'll try and give my husband advance notice that I might be working late tonight. Mm. I've got this really important thing to do and he needs to step up a bit more, back off on his work a little bit. Very ad hoc. <laughs> we, we just do our best. Agree. So far, it's working out okay. So It's working I, I'm out brilliantly. <laughs> we're, we're giving it a go. Achieving work-life balance is something that we will all struggle with for the remainder of our lives if we have children. And I think that it changes as well where the balance can shift. Definitely changes as children get older, as you're in different roles, depending on your workload and the sort of work you're doing. I do have to remind myself and I've reminded other employees that 
we're not saving lives today. So if you don't get it done, it's okay. Yes. Don't stress yourself out about it. You need to take some time out for yourself. What makes your work fun and what makes your career fulfilling? Some days I get the most random questions that completely twist my brain and I have to really think hard and I have to talk to lots of people and get lots of opinions and get external assistance. Because you're in HR, unpredictable situations. Completely. I deal with people every day and people can be very strange (laughs) and do really (laughs) odd things. And so that keeps my days fun and interesting because sometimes you just never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Every day is different. What makes my job fulfilling? I really like what I do. And I find that personally very fulfilling. I, I really enjoy my job. I'm actively seeking out other ways to improve my professional skill levels and skill up and do additional training, which is an option for me in my job. My managers are very supportive of that. So I find that very fulfilling as well, that they, they definitely take an interest in my career development. And I also work with a fantastic team of people. I have really lovely colleagues who genuinely care for each other and are very supportive. And I really align with the values of the company that I work for. I find they very much sit with the same values that I have. And again, so that's very fulfilling for me as well. That's so important, isn't it? I think that's been a really nice thing. Things like job security Mm. and liking your colleagues and respecting where you work and who you work for. I feel like I used to take those things for granted. Yeah. And now I really value that so much. And I know... My husband and I both do. I really believe in what my company does and the way it conducts itself. And I think a lot of people that work for Toyota feel that way, that we really do believe in what the company is trying to achieve. And that makes my job easier because I understand where the company is going and I feel the same way. That's great. That's really important for a fulfilling career is to actually want to work for the company you work for, Mm. put those extra hours in and put all that work in because you believe in what they're doing. Of course, it is a big corporate machine, but it's a corporate machine that actually cares for its people and genuinely is trying to make the world a better place. And that sounds really corny now that I've said it out loud, but I really do believe that. Transport is really interesting. Mobility. It is the way of the yeah. future. Cutting down CO2 emissions. Yeah. Making things more accessible to everybody. Yeah. They're very lucky to have you, Jackie. And <laughs> Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Rose. I just love how authentic and confident Jackie is. I especially loved her emphasis on values and cultural fit in the recruitment process, as well as her reminder that we are indeed the ones who are in control of our careers. There are two things that you can do today to help me spread the RTL word. The first thing I kindly ask is that you share this episode with just one person in your network who you think might benefit from Jackie's career story. The second thing is to like, subscribe and follow me on whichever platform you are listening to this and following my socials. Rose Tinted Law on Instagram and LinkedIn. I hope you enjoy listening to this honest conversation and it helps open your eyes to the limitless possibilities of where your legal career may take you. Thank you for tuning in. I'll speak to you soon.